welcome to the NLCC Sermon Recap Podcast. Uh, with me today is Patrick. He is a communications director at NLCC. Hello. And I am Preston. And here in a minute, we're going to lead into our conversation about the message, and we're going to get to listen to the message from Tim. Uh, but first, a couple quick announcements to throw your way. First of all, if you have a child that is in preschool through fifth grade, I think that you should consider letting them come to VBS this summer. It's June 21st through 24th. It's just in the mornings. Uh, lets you get rid of your kid for a couple hours, but also it gives them an opportunity to hear the Word of God, um, to hear about the love that God has for them, and just to have a fun morning that they get to hang out with their friends too. So consider coming to VBS, registering your kids for VBS. It's at northliberty.cc slash next steps. Also, uh, on June 6th, Sixth, we've got something coming up called a drive-in diner. We did this last year as a response to COVID. We just wanted to have an opportunity and an excuse to kind of hang out and eat food. Uh, and we had a blast. And so even though you know, we're not necessarily taking the same COVID precautions as we were last year. We still want to get together and have a good evening. So uh, five to seven on June 6th, you just have to drive up and we will take your order, bring some food out to your car. It's free, by the way. Um, you can bring chairs, blankets, whatever you want. Just hang out, eat some free food and uh, enjoy the summer evening together as we kind of launch our summer a little bit. So I hope you consider coming to both of those events. Now, let's turn our attention into this message that we heard from Tim uh, this week on the Lord's Prayer. We got to that next section of the prayer call where Jesus says, uh, give us, or Jesus recommends that we pray, give us today our daily bread. Mm -hmm. Patrick, what is one thing that really stood out to you about this message? Uh, one thing with this message that I really enjoyed that Tim kind of harkens back to is uh, Proverbs 30, uh, 8 and 9, where uh, Solomon is writing about um, just being content with what you have and not praying for too much to have too much to where you wouldn't rely on God for things, but also to not have too little and um, to be dishonorable and steal to get what you need. Yeah, that idea of daily bread really tries to emphasize, give us what we need today, no more, no less. Yeah, exactly. What's uh, something that you don't want people to miss when they listen to the, this message. Yeah, this was all about give us today our daily bread. And like you said, it's about contentment and getting exactly what you need. And, you know, Tim talked about how the, the manna was the daily bread um, that would have been first on the Israelites' mind whenever they heard this prayer for the first time uh, or the Jewish person's mind. Um, but then he talks about how Jesus gives several I am statements throughout his ministry and one of those is, I am the bread of life. And we talk about this prayer, and we say, God, give us what I need. And then Jesus says, I am what you need. Mm -hmm. I am this bread of life. Yeah. And a lot of times when we hear this prayer or when we pray ourselves, a lot of our prayers are very uh, tangible. Um, very You're praying for things that you can touch and yeah, feel. Yeah, things that I need. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Jesus says, like, that's important, and I will provide that to you, but don't miss the fact that I am the bread of life, I am what you need mm -hmm. on a much greater scale than what you are even thinking in this moment. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having this conversation with me. Let's go ahead and listen in to this message on the Yours is the Kingdom series. You know, it's difficult to explain to people, even Christian people, that prayer brings so much energy and power and intimacy between God of the universe and yourself and the church in any given situation. It's kind of like a safety net or a barrier between ourselves and the enemy that wants to kill, steal, and destroy. 
It is in prayer that we turn our attention to God and we lean on Him. And sure, it's scary sometimes to have, you know, that time with God, but prayer is, as they say, that conversation between two people who love each other. The problem isn't God not answering our prayers. The problem is that we don't spend any time praying because we're afraid of what we're not going to hear. Miss Terry's sister, Tammy, would buy her and our daughters these uh, beautiful, precious moment pieces showing Bible stories. And as a guy, I never really thought much about it other than they were nice little knickknacks for our daughters that they couldn't play with. Uh, but with all of our travels back and forth to Joppa, Missouri, uh, Miss Terry had asked if we could stop by sometime, you know, to, to, to the Precious Moment Chapel in Carthage, Missouri. And I didn't even know there was one, and I lived there in Joppa, Missouri for four years. But while there uh, in Joppa in that particular time, we went and visited this place that was kind of tucked away, and inside these were these beautiful works of art. And I say beautiful works of art because my dad was an artist, so you know, I know something about an artist that, that they put their, you know, their, their, their giftedness into that and they just display this, this gift that God has allowed them to have to share with other people. And as you walk through this chapel, you can read the stories uh, behind the, the art pieces. And some of those stories were Bible stories and some of them were personal stories. Now, sometime in the early 90s, we went back to the chapel because Katie and Jennifer were at an age where they would enjoy it a little more. And while there, this particular time, there was a drape over one of the rooms uh, that uh, covered the doorway. And the artist, I guess, you know, has this, uh, um, this rule that he didn't want anyone to see the artwork until it was completed. But the, the person that was there in that room was the artist himself, Mr. Butcher. And I had no idea who this guy was. But that, what, what made that precious moment experience precious was the fact that the artist was in the next room designing his next mural or figurine, and I never met the guy, but it was kind of cool to know that he was in there perfecting his skill to be seen and used and enjoyed by all. And I guess this is the point. It is a blessing to be able to understand the meanings and stories behind any kind of artwork, whether it be paintings or figurines or, or magnificent buildings, incredible looking cars, whatever art it is. And you can, you know, you can watch those documentaries of almost any designer and inventor, and they're really cool stuff to see their story. And I've been watching you know, the food that made America or the snacks that made America or the men that made America. And one documentary I watched was on uh, Carol Shelby, the guy who invented the Shelby a Mustang and you can see where he began from A and go through his life to Z and just see how all that was developed in this pretty cool stu uh, stuff. I mean, the, the stories behind it all and the, and the people that they interviewed that knew these particular artists, you know, they would talk about how blessed it was for them to be able to know them personally. And the same thought can be applied to knowing the God of the universe, the one who spoke the world into existence, the one who provided for his children, the one who demonstrated his love for you and I. We get to know him on a very personal father or personal level as a father, and that is the benefit that prayer brings to the table for all of us. Now, is this the way, G is the way that Jesus communicated this prayer the exact way that we're supposed to say it? Or is Jesus simply giving us some ideas or a template on how we can pray, what kind of things that we can add to our prayers? And I believe he gives us the freedom to develop it and communicate it however we want. That is the intent of God. He, he created, we get to enjoy as long as we stay within the parameters of his creation, his boundaries here. But each of us individually has been invited to get to know the creator of the universe personally in a very intimate way by being able to say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven 
And when we get, when we, we get to pray that kind of stuff, we get to know the God, uh, who God is, and, and we get to have a very active part in playing that role with him, to be able to have that communication. You see, prayer is inviting God into our lives, and then he does what he does best. He helps us navigate through the ups and downs, the highs and lows in our lives. And today's phrase that we're looking at is, give us this day our daily bread. And now hearing that, it sounds kind of brass, and even a little surprising that Jesus would say to pray like this, but nowhere in there did it say, you know, to ask in a, you know, pleasant way, to ask, you know, please, be, because it feels more like this spoiled kid asking mom and dad, you know, give me what I want when I want it. But remember, we're, we've already opened our one-on-one -on -one conversation with God by focusing on praising him, where it says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Acknowledging his holiness, his deity, his grace, his mercy, his position in the universe. We, we then spoke of him fulfilling his desires for us with your kingdom come, your will be done. We are admitting to God that you, you are the king of kings, the lord of lords. You rule this world. You set the parameters. And then we went from, from honoring him to his will to supplies with this particular phrase today, give us today our daily bread. We, we, we can ask him this because we're part of his family, right? That's why we get to call him dad. And we feel even a little more extra comfortable so we can approach him with, with a little more demanding requests of, of him. But for the most part, we are usually more polite and thankful to strangers and, and friends than we are our own family members. Because how many times have you been told as a kid or you even told your own kids that when you did something for them uh, the, th that they need to say thank you? And then when somebody does that, well, what do you say? And you're waiting for them to say thank you. But this prayer is teaching us to ask God for, for nourishment in whatever form that might be for you. And the Greek word here is daily. It's used two times in the New Testament where the Lord's Prayer happens to be mentioned in Matthew 6 and, and Luke 11. But there are two different ways that this word can be interpreted. One is daily and the other is needed. And so the prayer, as they say, could be also be, uh, be saying, give us today the bread that we need. And this section of prayer is about asking God to provide for our basic needs and, and not, you know, greed. I want more, 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 more. Just like the Israelites, you know, in the wilderness, they, they got their daily needs and nothing more. And it can also be applied to many other be, uh, benefits besides, you know, uh, physical needs. Because this can be applied uh, with troubled, you know, teens and, and, uh, and teens with troubled parents or, you know, all kinds of relationship issues. And, and older people, you know, who are afraid of, of, you know, making it from one social security check after, you know, to the next social security uh, check. It applies to emotional, physical, and spiritual needs. And so when we pray, give us this day our daily bread we are putting our needs whatever that might be for you in God's hands we are letting go of the things that we like to control and here are some application to two you know of, of the commitment levels here the pieces here in this prayer and the first one is pretty obvious our dependence on God we're going to be we're going to depend on him However, and whatever he desires, uh, provides for us we're going to be content with that since earlier we prayed your will be done Lord, what you want is what I want kind of a thing. It's acknowledging that God is our provider in all things. He's the one that has blessed us with our jobs and the ability to work and make a living. And if you don't want to do those kinds of things, and if you don't want to pray for those kinds of things, and you don't want God to provide those kinds of things, the Bible does say if a man doesn't want to work, then he doesn't eat either. 
So in other words, God's not going to provide your daily bread if you don't want to work for it. And James, the brother of Jesus, says God is the giver of every good and perfect gift. And so when we pray for God to give us our daily bread, we acknowledge that he is the one who owns it all, and we are simply coming to our Father asking for help. Last week, as I got my mind stuck in neutral on, on, and, and stressed, um, we had a particular a stranger come into the church asking for help, and he was brought to my office. And so uh, he, all he wanted was us for, to provide gas. And actually, where I was in that moment of time, I, I, for the first time, I, and I'm just going to be honest, I, I didn't, I didn't want to do ministry for the first time because of where my, my mind was. But I told him to meet me down at the station. And so he heads out, and I head out, and I get down there, and he's nowhere to be found. I walk about around the building, maybe he will park back there, and he's not there. And I'm thinking, you got to be kidding. How do you get lost from north of the church to the gas station? But I get back to the car, and I realize I didn't have my wallet. And, uh, and, I, and I didn't remember putting, uh, bringing it down to the church, and so they ended up pulling up at that time, and he got out of the car, and, and I walked over to him, and I said, listen, I, I don't have my wallet, so you're going to have to wait here, and I, I'm going to go home. So I went home to check for my wallet, and, and I, my wallet wasn't there, and, and I'm thinking, where did I put my wallet? And I remember then that I had it in my, my computer case back here at the church, and so I ran back to the, the station and said, hey, you're going to have to wait a little longer. I need to go back to the church because that's where my wallet is. And so I go, come back here and get my wallet and go back there and and he's still standing there and and I put the credit card in and and he's doing nothing it's it's, it's like I I guess he thought he was at a full service station and so I took the nozzle and I opened up his gas tank and I pumped the gas in there and 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 he stood there and I and I again I remember that I guess I must be at a full service station because he he just stood there and so I took the nozzle out and put the cat back on and waited for my receipt and, and I, I saw that he was being a little bit fidgety, and, and, and he was about to ask me something else. I knew this was going to happen, and he did. And I told him to meet me down at Subway, and they meet, met me down there at Subway, and I told them to get whatever they want, and, and they did. And we talked for a little bit, waiting for the sandwiches, and during that whole time, I'm being reminded of how I am being used as a vessel to provide that couple's daily bread, that gas, that food, encouragement, and prayer right there in that, that gas station parking lot. We did those things, and I know it wasn't coming from me. It was a blessing provided to me by God. Their daily need was met, but I knew that they were going to be back at it the next day somewhere asking for help depending on someone by, uh, for their daily bread they needed that particular day all provided by God at just the right time. Our dependence is ongoing, isn't it? This part of the prayer teaches us to live one day at a time, not to worry or be anxious about all the unknowns, even though we just prayed, you know, Father, your kingdom come, your will be done. Our lives as followers of Christ are created to depend on God. Now, when Jesus mentions bread in this prayer, don't you think that the Jewish people started to think about their ancestors? I mean, they knew the stories. When you talk about bread, they're thinking manna all the time. Because the Israelites, they, they went into the, before they went into the promised land, they're in slavery for 400 years, and now they're wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. You can read that in, in the book of Exodus, and while wandering in the desert, they become hungry and, and to the point of starvation. And apparently they had run out of food for, you know, to sustain them through the next day and the next day after that. And so they cry out to God, and he provided their daily bread in the form of manna. 
which for me, when I understood it from Jim Markham in Old Testament history, it was kind of like soggy bread all rolled up in a ball. Kind of gross. And God instructed them that they were not allowed to gather more than what they needed for that day because if they tried to gather a little extra, then God would cause that extra to spoil. And God simply was trying to teach the Israelites to trust that he would provide whatever their need was on that day. Food, shelter, compassion, and love. And he told them that he would, he would do that, and he did. And that's what he does best. He always comes through for his children, and, and he is faithful. And I wonder if the American Christian has been guilty of this to some degree, where we're collecting more than we really need. Too much. So Jesus, later in the Sermon on the Mount, verse 25, says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you're going to eat or drink, about your body or what you're going to wear. Is not, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't uh, sow and reap or sow away in barns, and your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take uh, worry about itself. Each day has enough problems of its own. And it's so interesting that Jesus is so, is so vividly truthful here. Each day has enough problems of its own, doesn't it? How many of you are going to think tomorrow you're not going to go without having some kind of conflict? Some kind of stress, some kind of worry. Now, I don't know who said this, but it's pretty good. Worry is holding on to something that belongs in, hand, in God's hands and how true that is. The problem with us is that we have a serious problem worrying about assumed you know, threats that we, that instead of being thankful for what God has already you know, blessed us with. And if you think about it, even the poorest people in our country are still richer than those living in the third world countries. Everyone in this country is still at the top 5% of the rest of the world in, 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 when it comes to wealth. The poorest of, of the world are acutely aware of their need for daily bread, but you don't hear them being discontent like the American Christian. You see, life does its best. The media does its best advertisement does its best you and I do our best where we get so wrapped up in all the static causing ridiculous worry and stress because of what we don't have or think we should have and if you're like me when your body has these unidentifiable aches and pains we go to the dark side don't we gotta have something bad I'm gonna die whatever it might be we know we should go to the doctors but we don't because we're afraid of what they might tell us and, and so we get ahead of the truth. We start overreacting. And the same thing happened to many of us over this last year when you start having these certain you know, uh, uh, stress symptoms or regular cold symptom, symptoms and automatically you begin to assume that you have something, right? So before you start causing further stress on your mind and body, go get tested. Because if we're not careful, uh, we'll become consumed with worrying so much about things that may or may never happen, causing our own bodies and our hearts and our minds to suffer in, in incredible, painful ways. And start, so start enjoying what God has already provided for you today Be, and stop worrying about the what-ifs tomorrow. That it ruins, again, what God has given us every day. Irma Bombeck said, worry is like a rocking chair. It's a whole lot of activity, but you don't go anywhere. And Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread. Only what I need today. 
Only when I need today, Lord. But I believe we are a selfish and impatient people, and so we're always wanting more and, and, and not less. We want it now. God, I want it now. I want all my needs met now, not tomorrow, but today. Now, uh, back on uh, November 20th, I stopped to help some kid that lost a, a stack of plywood, and I picked up one, and you know, I stretched out my, I shared a little of this before, and I turned my body, and I felt this snap, and immediately I broke out into this cold sweat, and I thought I was gonna throw up and pass out, and I handed the piece of wood to this kid, and, and he said, thank you, and I told him to have a good day, and I staggered back to my car that was in the intersection of Ironwood in Milburn Boulevard, and I didn't wanna pass out and get run over by a car, and that's what I was worrying about. That somebody's going to run me over. But then I, I, I stopped being dizzy and feeling sick, and I called my son, who's an occupational therapist, and he asked me if my you know, arm looked like Popeye, and I, I don't know, son, I, I got my coat on, I'm afraid to take it off. I don't want to see what's under there. And, and so uh, he had called one of his doctor friends that works up here at SBO that used to work with him down in Indianapolis, and he got me in within the hour, and I had surgery on December 2nd, and I hadn't been able to do much of anything. And I've been going stir crazy. Most of you know who I am. Uh, not being able to work out and help teams around here and doing service projects and shoveling when it was snowing, shoveling you know, my own snow. Uh, watching Miss Terry do this is something I should be doing. And then I'm down here and I'm pushing a shovel and, and trying to kick it and doing this out here on the south side of the church building. You know how irritating that was? I'm like, you know, this is ridiculous. I even had, you know, took, I, I had difficulty with things that we even take for granted, showering and shaving and combing my hair and, and putting my clothes on. I, I do it once in a while. It was hard even putting my shoes on. And I just thought, well, gosh, you know, this would be a good time for me to have Velcro shoes. I went out to dinner with some guys on one of the Monday nights, and one of the guys bought me a steak just so he could watch me agonize trying to cut it with one, with one hand. I mean, you talk about the height of, of, of cruelty there. But the doctor in my Old, Test, or Old Testament, my occupational therapist, uh, told me it would be a number of months before I'd get back to normal and just to be a little patient. And, and you know, during that time, I put on 10 pounds because I eat when I'm bored. I eat when I'm doing nothing. I eat when I'm feeling stressed. I eat when I'm feeling sorry for myself. I eat when, 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 when. And, and honestly, I don't like waiting. I, I wanted healing. I wanted healing now. I wanted to go back to November 20th at 10.30 and not stop and help that kid. I also want, uh, I know that, that what I've experienced is nothing compared to what others have experienced or are experiencing right now, but it doesn't change uh, how I don't like waiting for my wanting. We want immediate healing today, not tomorrow. We want our materialistic things today, not tomorrow. We want everything to be a happily ever after moment all the time. And God simply says, I'll provide for your daily need one day at a time. Now the second level is contentment. Paul talks a lot about this. And so we stop thinking that God is supposed to give you what you want all the time. Stop asking for more than you really need. And again, that's what Paul told the apostle, or little uh, young Timothy in his letter, but godliness with contentment is great gain for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it, but if we have food and clothing, we're gonna be content with that. Are we content with that? Start trusting our Father in heaven with what he's already blessed you with because in that moment, you'll stop grumbling or worrying about what you don't have and you become more thankful for what you do have. Listen to what Solomon writes in Proverbs. And it fits in well. 
There's a whole lot of other stuff in Proverbs, but as he says, keep falsehood and lies from far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown, uh, disown you and say, who is the Lord? I don't know him anymore. I don't know God. Does he really exist? Why would he put me through all this stuff? He, there's no God out there. Or I may become poor and steal and dishonor the name of my God. You know, it's, in, it's written everywhere throughout the Bible uh, for God's children to trust that he's going to provide because that's what he enjoys doing like any good godly dad would. Now let's talk about this bread concept. I, I think we can all agree that as much as we appreciate bread, it, doesn't get, it does get a bit stale, right? And, and no, no pun intended. But we see bread as a minor food group. And we're standing around, we, we, don't talk, we don't like talking about bread, do you? I mean, do you guys talk about bread? It's, it's a boring subject matter, right? But here's a, a great illustration from Kyle Eidelman in a series that I've been using here. He says, the moment you take bread and spread this stuff that makes bread great, Cracker Barrel apple butter or Texas Roadhouse cinnamon butter, or best of all, taking the bread and soaking up the spaghetti sauce from your plates. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? I've been to some of you. I don't put anything on my bread. And I've been to some of you at, to, to Texas Roadhouse, and man, that whole little bowl is gone on one roll. Where did it go? Those are the things that make something special about bread come alive, right? Miss Terry, she loves, I, she, I, I, I love her spaghetti. She makes the greatest spaghetti on planet Earth, and whenever she does make it, I'll, I'll heap it, over my plate. I don't put it in a little bowl. I mean, come on, let's be a man about this. So I put it, I just heap it over my plate. And I usually get four pieces of bread. And I'll sit down and, and I'll eat some of it, you know, and get the taste in my mouth. And then what I do is, you know, you tear that bread in half and then you take that bread like a crane and you go down over the spaghetti pile and you pick up like a, you know, a spaghetti sandwich and you start eating it. You know what I'm talking about. And you do that for those three pieces of bread, but you save that last one so you can soak up the juice. And man, that even makes the spaghetti even better, and it makes that bread even better. This is what bread's for. But as your taste buds are wanting watering for those right now, let me make a spiritual comparison from Jesus' own words here. And it's mentioned multiple times in the Gospels, but especially in John, where he says these I am statements that, that uh, are, the, the, he's letting the world know that he is God in the flesh. And there should be no question about it. He says, I am the light of the world. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the gate. I am the vine. I am the, the good shepherd. And he, then he says, I am the bread of life, which I believe is in reference to this Lord's prayer. Bread, give me my daily bread, because God gives us our daily bread every day in Jesus Christ, does he not? Now the contrast to the, uh, the context to, to that encounter is that Jesus just got done feeding 5,000 people and when I was at Bible college, they always said that, that if they mentioned 5,000 people, you can always add you know, another, another 5,000 and maybe another 5,000 uh, people. So there's definitely 15,000, but back then a lot of the families had more than you know, one kid. But they never counted women and children. And, and he fed all of them with five loaves and two fish. And so this miracle uh, also, you know, it turned their, their world upside down, if you will. They, they were amazed. They were shocked. They were full. 
This miracle was a turning point in Jesus' ministry, and here's why. John's gospel tells us that the crowds wanted to make Jesus their earthly king. They were waiting for one to overthrow the Roman Empire, and Jesus is that guy. He's going to be, you know, provide a new earthly kingdom, destroying all oppression. And if you were in their sandals, you would be feeling the same way. This guy's going to give us a great message He's going to give us, you know, a miracle and some free food and our stomachs are going to fold. That's the guy who needs to be our king. And, and after Jesus taught and fed the people, the disciples get into the boat and they start onto the lake. And Jesus then does what he usually does after some teaching time. He walks up to the mountains, up on the mountains, or sometimes, you know, early in the morning he goes off by, themselves, by himself. But he, nobody ever knows where he goes. And so he's up in the mountain somewhere, and, 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 and he, he, the, the other disciples, they, they go out into the lake, they're, they're rowing across the sea, and it gets dark, and Jesus comes back, back down to the shore, and he starts walking out onto the lake where they're at, and they're like, whoa, what's this? They're scared. They're amazed. How, how's this guy walking on water? But they head to Capernaum that morning, which is on the other side of the Sea of Galilee, and the crowds return looking for Jesus, you know, on the side that they all got fed, and they don't see him, but then they hear that, hey, we saw the, the rabbi on the other side of the lake, and they're like, what the heck, how did he get over there? He went up to the mountains, how, how, how is he already over there? And so they all climb in all the boats that are available, and they cross the sea to Capernaum to find Jesus. You see, they went through all of that hassle because they wanted to make him their king, and they want, they want to get their free meals and, 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 and to end their injustice. And so Jesus sees them coming. He knows what they want, and so he exposes them. He says in verse 26, Verily, truly, I say to you, you are looking for me not because you saw a signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Can you imagine how they felt knowing that he recognized why he, they were hunting him down? Jesus knows their hearts and ten. He's not fooled by any of it. They were more interested and focused on the freebies, and, and, and that didn't make Jesus too happy. But this group of new disciples were all about the physical stuff while Jesus was trying to teach them what spiritual truth could do for them. And the crowd, you know, actually told Jesus, you know, what they wanted. They were honest about it. We, we want free food. Give us more. And, and, and who doesn't want a free meal? Miss Terry and I had a free meal Friday night from a couple here in the church, and they just wanted to take us out to be encouraged. And honestly, it, it came at the right time. God, give us our daily bread. In verse 34, it says, Sir, always give us this bread. We want more, we want more, we want more free food. And Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and you, still you do not believe. This is the complete opposite of what he told Thomas later on. Remember that story? But this is one of those I am statements where Jesus proclaims his lordship. I know you just want, you know, another serving of the meal that I fed you yesterday on the beach. I, I filled you for that moment, and, and now you're, you're wanting more. I get it. I understand it, but I want you to listen carefully. The bread that I fed you yesterday is a symbol of who I am. I am the bread of life that will last forever. And so the crowds are going crazy because they love the miracles, the toppings, more than they love the messenger or the messenger. And Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And so back to Kyle's picture of bread and, and toppings, people from all walks of life are more about cinnamon and apple butter. 
And so in verse 47, he says, Verily, truly, I say to you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, and yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. And so these people are hearing this, and they're wondering, what the heck? Who, who is the bread? How, how did it come down from heaven? And we're actually supposed to eat his flesh in order to survive? That's a little gross. I'm not following this guy anymore. They were all about the flesh and not paying attention to the spiritual intent that was happening before their eyes. The bread of life was in their presence feeding them, and they missed it. And Jesus then went deep in his message to find out how serious they were going to be in following him, right? That's what he does. But he wants to find out who's going to, who, if he's going to be priority number one above everything else in life. Family, jobs, hobbies, miracles, relationships, preferences, wants. He wants to know, are you willing to deny yourself? The crowds are quiet as he begins to speak because they want to, to make sure that they get the right instructions when he starts handing out this free food. They want to be the first in line. And the, 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 more they, the sooner they hear what he, he's intending to do, they're going to jump in line. I mean, and he, and he kind of says, uh, who, who, wants, who wants butter on their bread? Who wants tartar sauce for their fish? Because I, I am right here. I am the bread of life if you want me. I am the, the, the one that brings flavor and nourishment to your life. And he goes on to share that many of those disciples that were following Jesus, enjoying that miracle of free, book, uh, fr fr uh, free food, uh, they walked away from him. In that one encounter, because of the things that he said, it became obvious they wanted the toppings more than they wanted to know who the bread was and how it was going to satisfy. And so in verse 60, he says, on hearing it, many of his disciples said, well, this is hard teaching. Who, who can accept it? And aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Does this offend you? Then what, what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? He says, the Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of spirit and life, yet there are some of you who do not believe, for Jesus had known from the beginning which of them uh, would not believe and those who would betray him. And he went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. And so church, we cannot allow ourselves uh, to get consumed with the side dishes that we lose sight of the importance of being committed to Jesus Christ, the main course. He is the one that brings real nourishment to our souls. The Holy Spirit will always move in with his word no matter what. And I know that there are some people who, if they don't feel a certain way in the worship service or hear what they want to hear, their itching ears, you know, don't hear what, you know, what their, their ears want to hear or they don't, God doesn't answer their prayers like, you know, he, they think they should or devoting daily takes too much time and children's students minis, student ministry and children's ministry aren't as excited, you know, uh, because it's not gaming, then they lose interest and they become too distracted by the things of this world. There, there are those who choose, as you well know, churches and even preachers based on the toppings the the how they preach what they look like the programs that we offer and how much do they expect me to, to to be involved in the church and the list just goes on and on 
And if we, if we get too careless, God becomes unimportant and the gospel is thrown aside like a piece of stale bread. And God doesn't want anyone, as we know, as the scripture says, to perish but come to this knowledge of salvation through Jesus Christ, the bread of life. Here's some cool information that I honestly forgot about when I was in Bible college, but if you look at this from a spiritual perspective on how God came in a flesh to the little town of Bethlehem, does anybody know what Bethlehem means? House of, house of bread. And, and who is the bread? None other than Jesus himself. And whose house is it? It's God's house. He owns it. Not you, not me. He owns it. If you worship with us, you know that we have a, you know, a lot of things that we do around here to keep you involved and excited about certain things throughout the year, and we want you to enjoy those, those moments that we have, but we want you to understand, too, that those, those things aren't that important when it comes to the main course. Your relationship with Jesus Christ is far more important to us than the stuff that God has already blessed us with. God's written word is our authority, and Jesus Christ is our Savior, and so we worship and serve him without apology and without shame. Our methods around here of ministry will constantly change with the resources that are available to us. But the message of Jesus being the bread of life will never change. And so church, I would encourage you to start craving for Jesus, the only bread that satisfies. Let's pray. Father, and we come to you seeking your grace and mercy. Father, we know that you've already been moving in people's lives as we saw the two young individuals today accept you as Lord and Savior and I pray Father that you will be with them and their families that they continue to be nourished we thank you Father for this church family and I pray Father for your blessing and protection upon them but Lord I pray that each one of us that call ourselves by the name of Jesus would start craving for you more than we do other things in this world in Jesus name we pray Thank you for listening in and participating with us this week. We look forward to doing this again with you next week.